Good afternoon and welcome to Seattle's Eastside Real Estate Podcast. I'm Dan Edwards, the uh, manager of the Eastside Real Estate team. And uh, this is our weekly podcast on living, um, living, growing, working, uh, having fun on the east side. Thanks for joining us today. Um, we would love, if you're watching this live, to subscribe, thumbs up. You can comment. Uh, we'd love to answer any questions that you might have about the amazing real estate market that we find ourselves in. We've got some fabulous guests today. Also, if you um, want to ever listen to past podcasts, you can do so by subscribing to the uh, podcast. Just uh, search Seattle's Eastside Real Estate Podcast, and that will put us um, in place uh, for my phone is going crazy. Excuse me. Pardon me. Um, Yeah, we'll put us in in position to uh, subscribe and then you'll get these sent to your phone and you can listen to them on on your way into work. Or if you're on the ferry out to the islands or whatever it is you're doing. So um, awesome. We've got a great show today. We're going to be welcoming Tucker Maxwell of Guild Mortgage Company, Samantha Kennedy of Mainsail Financial Group, and Jeanette Baton of Dynamic Designs Jewelry. It's going to be an action-packed show, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, before we get started with our guests, we're going to have our Real Talk segment. And the big question today is, is uh, what what are the experts saying about what the future holds for the second half of 2022? Now, we find ourselves at a turning point in the market right now. There's a lot of uh, consumer sentiment has been lowered. And of course, uh, inflation numbers came out recently that showed a incredible 9% um, uh, inflation. So what's going to happen? You know, we've seen that the feds have um, increased the short-term interest rate by two percentage points. And, um, and if you look at that, that really uh, is, it's designed to put the brakes on the industry right now. So what do you, um, what can, what can buyers, what can sellers expect? What are the experts saying? So I'm looking down here because I've got uh, the experts quotes. So Greg McBride, he's the chief financial analyst at Bankrate, says it like this. Until inflation peaks, mortgage rates won't either. Without improvement in the, on the inflation front, we don't know where the interest rate ceiling will be. Um, I guess I have a personal, what's the word I'm looking for? I have a personal opinion and my professional opinion. Um, it felt like inflation started to recede the last couple of weeks. But the report just came out now that showed, um, you know, record high. So I think over maybe the last month, we've seen that peak and perhaps it's on the way down. Uh, That's a a, a question mark. I don't really know for sure. But what I do know is that inflation being high, the feds are going to do everything they can to push to slow um, the movement of money, essentially the buying of goods and services. And one way to do that is to impact the real estate market. Um, of course, the we don't know what will happen at the next Fed meeting, and I don't want to assume. But let's just take from a standpoint what is important to buyers and what's important to sellers. The first thing that's important to buyers is affordability. So buyers are finding themselves in a position to not uh, to see their prices, which were rising for quite some time, start to um, start to stabilize. 
I want to be careful with the words I'm using here and not say starting to fall because that's a that's a miss. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I think that's a misconception. We start to see more available inventory, and I'll come back to that. But what we are seeing is that pressure for buyers to exit the market because they can't afford it. And uh, Tucker Maxwell and I, in a few moments, will kind of talk about strategies for buyers to understand why this is actually still a good time to consider. As a matter of fact, it's better than it has been in the past, um, past five years um, to consider a move. Um, the second thing is supply of inventory. Now, the supply of inventory has definitely increased. And thank goodness, buyers actually have an opportunity to consider a few homes before making their bid. They don't have to run in there, offer full asking price or 100,000, 200,000 above. So um, so that's nice that we're seeing more inventory come. And uh, as the inventory stretches or the days on market stretch out, you're going to see more available options. So if you are a buyer, you're going to find yourself in a situation where it makes more sense to um, keep shopping because there are more available opportunities. So experts are saying that growth is going to continue. Realtor.com, uh, they updated their 2022 forecast. In the latest re release, they increased their projections for inventory gains dramatically, going from a 0.3% to a 15% jump. Uh, Selma Hap, Deputy Chief Economist of CoreLogic. CoreLogic is a company that does home valuations and stuff. Um, and automate, we, we call it automated valuation. So they kind of help us with value. And they said the current home price growth rate is unsustainable, meaning the one, the one in the, in the rear view mirror. Um, and with higher mortgage rates coupled with higher inventory, it's going to lead to slower home growth, but unlikely declines. So I think that's the key aspect is it's not, it's not depreciation or a reduction in value. It's slower home growth. So um, I think that's especially important for buyers to consider this because what it means is if you have a plan to buy a house strictly for its appreciation value, that's a bad move. And I really don't believe anybody should be making that decision just on appreciated value. They should be making that decision based on rather than paying someone else's mortgage, they're paying their own. So in summary, bottom line, if you're a home buyer or a home seller, you need to know what's happening. You need to be informed. I'm happy to sit down with anybody, talk about their specific situation and see how the market affects um, their goals. Because essentially what this is, is this is not an investment strategy session. Excuse me, easier said than done. This is not an investment strategy session. This is an understanding of how to get from point A to point B, house A to house B, rental A to home ownership, um, first time home seller to a retirement and I think it's important to understand the market factors in place and how they relate to your situation. At the, at the Eastside Real Estate team, we're here to help guide you in that direction with the proper information. So let's talk. If there's something that you need more information on, we're happy to help. All right. So we're going to come. We're going to do a short commercial break. Then we're going to come back with Tucker Maxwell. So we've got this quick little the pest stops here. Green City Pest Control is your full-service pest solution for all your pest control needs. With an owner with 32 years experience, a board-certified entomologist, and rodent specialist, we do it all. Bats to rats, crawl space, or attic. Call us and we will resolve your problem. 
425-413-9700. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm going to bring on our next guest, Tucker Maxwell with Guild Mortgage. Welcome to the show, Tucker. Hello, Dan. Thanks for having me. All right, so you've been here before. We're going to kind of do a current update. We talked about all the carnage just in the last segment, of course. Um, but we have a specific topic, and this topic is a tool, the tool in your realtor's tool belt that can help you get the home that you're looking for in any market. So it's all about temporary buy-down. So, Tucker, what's a temporary buy-down? Yep. So, Dan, you hit this uh, on your intro segment is we're trying to allow buyers to feel comfortable with their monthly payment. Like that's the biggest thing here with rising interest rates. Payments are becoming unaffordable or uncomfortable for a buyer. And so a temporary buy down allows us to request a credit from the seller and or the lender, but it can only be the seller or the lender, a dollar amount figure that can lower the monthly payment that the buyer pays over this first number of years of that loan. So it could be a two one buy down or a three two one buy down. And essentially we're getting dollars from the seller, holding them in an account and then spreading them across the future payments to offset what the buyer will be paying. So how is a temporary buy down uh, different than a permanent buy down? Yep. So temporary is a key word here. So what we're doing is let's say um, for a transaction, we get a $20,000 seller credit and with a temporary buy down, we spread that 20,000 over the first 24 payments. So the buyer saves a full 20,000 in year in years one and two. So substantial savings right up front. So that's a, a, how a temporary buy down works with a permanent buy down. What the buyer is doing is spread or is taking that same credit and buying down the interest rate permanently over the 30 year term. However, the, the impact of that, permanent buy down is far less than what it would be if we spread it just on those first 24 payments. You know, we're talking maybe two to $400 a month difference if we do a permanent buy down versus a temporary buy down where we get a full 20,000 in years one and two. Is this an instance where um, you're, you're looking at the 24 month kind of idea and it may make sense to refinance at that point because there might be less pressure on interest rates at that time? Exactly. So it's it's a similar concept to an ARM product or an adjustable rate mortgage where, you know, this isn't necessarily a 30 year permanent solution. We're using those 24 months to get through this period where we have the Fed increasing rates and we have upward pressure on mortgage rates. Um, our thought process is that sometime within the next two years, hopefully, we will have a better opportunity to refinance. And so with the temporary buy down, it takes all of those future savings and just front loads it up until the first couple of years of the payment to get the buyer in today, allow them some relief right away. And we'll monitor and we'll look for an opportunity to refinance. The really cool thing about temporary buy downs that I'll add here, Dan, is that if we get to an opportunity to refinance, this buyer gets to take whatever amount is left in this from this temporary buy down and reduce what they owe on their loan and refinance at a lower amount. So they don't lose any of this credit when refinancing. Whereas if we do a permanent buy down and we buy oh, down the rate and we, let's say it costs $20,000 to buy down the rate permanently, there's a break even point that's out in the future some point. And so if that break even point six years from now or seven years from now, and we refinance next year, that permanent buy down did nothing to help the buyer today. 
Right, because that's amortized over uh, 30 years. Exactly, over 360 payments. Yep. Can you do a buy down for three years? You can, yeah. We can really structure it however uh, really we want. Um, we can do um, three, two, one, where you get a three percentage uh, break the first year, 2% the second year, and 1% the third year. And then the start of the fourth year is when your permanent interest rate would kick in. Um, or you could do a two one where it's two percentage points the first year and one the second year. The key component is how much is the seller willing to give us? Because a three, two, one buy down is, of course, going to cost more to the seller than a two, one buy down. I gotcha. Uh, the interesting part about that is you, you essentially are giving yourself a bit of, a, well, the seller is giving, because we're going to talk about how this helps the seller in just a second. So let's talk about that part. How does it help the seller? Yeah. So, you know, from a mortgage perspective, we're always looking at this from a, like a monthly payment standpoint and how, you know, how does it help the buyer? But when we flip it to the seller to get a, the same monthly payment savings. So, you know, we're talking thousand dollar a month for year one and maybe $500 of savings in year two. How do we get that same savings um, from a seller reducing the price? So that's where this really benefits the seller. For, for a seller to have that same impact to the buyer with the payment, they would have to reduce the price of the home by hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, to get the monthly payment to drop $1,000, you're talking well over $100,000 price reduction. So how it helps the seller is they are only giving up maybe 20,000 in proceeds and preserving that extra 80 or 110 or 120,000 that they would otherwise have to give up in order to sell in this market to make it comfortable for a buyer. Yeah, that's great. That's a great tool. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. Um, so where do you see interest rates headed? Um, that's a that's a great question, Dan. If I could answer that, I probably wouldn't be a, be a loan officer. I'd be uh, in the hot seat for guilt. Um, but, you know, we're, of course, looking at this from a glass half full perspective right now. Um, so we do anticipate that for the next 30, 60, 90 days, we're going to see rates kind of teetering here, maybe going up. But we do believe by the end of the year, they're going to start heading back down. Yeah. I, like I said, like I think we saw in the last six weeks, uh, price uh, interest rates go down from their high at like 6.25 and they, they came back down to mid fives. And I yeah. think really there's there's an there's an emotional reaction in the bond market. Um, and it really is, you know, based on these hedge fund guys trying to figure out how the you know, where the market's going. And we're seeing volatility. And so to, to have the tool like the temporary rate buy down, it's uh, it's fantastic. So. Um, awesome. You know what, Tucker, I always appreciate you coming on the show and we've had a bit of a hiatus, so it's good to have you back on here. Um, how do our listeners get a hold of you? Yep. So I'm on all the major platforms. So Tucker Maxwell at Guild Mortgage, you can find me everywhere. Uh, phone number 425-757-9202, or you can email me tmaxwell at guildmortgage.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Tucker. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, until next time, enjoy this fantastic summer. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. All right, we're gonna have a short commercial break, then we're gonna be welcoming Samantha Kennedy with Mainsail Financial Group right after this short break. Tired of the same old conversations at networking events that never lead to new clients? BNI is changing the way the world does business by connecting you to strategic relationships that can help you grow your business. BNI is the world's largest networking organization, helping hundreds of thousands of members around the world each year increase revenue through relationship marketing. 
For information about visiting a BNI chapter near you, go to the BNI Northwest website at BNINW.com. All right. Welcome back to the show. I am Dan Edwards. This is Seattle's Eastside Real Estate Podcast. I am the managing broker and real estate agent with the Eastside Real Estate team. We are going to welcome in our next guest, and I'm actually going to find her banner first. Let's see if I can. There it is, Main Sale Financial. We're going to welcome to the show, Samantha Kennedy. Welcome to the show, Samantha. Thank you so much, Dan. Wonderful to be here. So we've got, um, you know, there's a lot of lot of uh, turmoil right now in the market. So I think it's great to have somebody with your expertise on. But before we get into our questions for the day, why don't you tell me a little bit more about what motivates you? Um, uh, what motivates you? Well, actually, wait, 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 wait. I, I, I actually need to do this because this is a pretty epic story. So Samantha's life is full of miracles. At the age of three, she was adopted from China to a loving family after being malnourished and with little stability. When Samantha looks back, she realized her journey has taken her not from knowing where the next meal was coming from to supporting others to plan for their future through her role as a financial advisor. The desire to help individuals and families prepare for a financially stable future while developing lifelong friendships is what provides Samantha purpose. She finds joy in celebrating her clients' wins as well as being a resource while they're freaking out about today's current market. I added that part. Without uh, with seven years in the financial services industry, Samantha has discovered uh, no two people, no two couples have the same dreams, and there's always more to learn. So that's your introduction. Welcome to the show, Samantha. Tell us about your big why. Yes. And I'm so happy you shared a little bit about my background, Dan, because that matters a lot. Um, I am inspired every day and I feel incredibly blessed that my quote job is to learn people's stories and figure out how can I perhaps be a resource for them, not only just today, but ideally their life. So my why is essentially figuring out how can I be a resource to as many people as possible, whether that's through education, one-on-one investment advice, or even from a larger perspective through larger networking groups to share some financial knowledge that isn't taught in schools. Now, a little bit under the hood, which I think a little bit of my background information is helpful to know is at the end of the day, I'd love to be involved in foster care and adoption communities. And then a little bit also on the side is I do have a passion to coach cross country or track for a high school team. And so um, a huge advantage is, especially in the financial industry, I can be a resource to my clients, but it also presents a field where giving back is, um, I won't say easy to do, but definitely possible while growing your business. That's awesome. So I've got a question here. It says, how does your why relate to fire? Uh, What are we lighting up here? Yes, you got it. So what is the FIRE movement? So this is sort of um, a new catchy phrase out there. And what FIRE stands for is financial independence and retiring early. So connecting back to the why, I think financial independence can be sort of a catchy phrase thrown out there. And at the end of the day, it means something different to everybody. For some people, it can be 
when do I no longer have to work? I think that probably is a question most of us ask ourselves. Um, for other, it's when can I maybe work part time? And then for even some couples I work with, it's not necessarily when do I not work? It's when do, when can I have income not be tied to the work I do? And mm -hmm. so that's the first part of FIRE. <laughs> um, the retire early part, that's always a little bit interesting because I think depending on the type of career one's had, um, we, we have sort of a separation in demographics at this point. There's some people who have pensions, have been with their company for 20, 30 years, and the retirement is looking very, very solid. And they have high income even when they choose to stop working. Um, for other people retiring early, I think finding a philanthropic goal, and many people I work with are motivated to find um, a passion sometimes outside of work. And so when we say retire early, I think in, in respect to the financial world, it's figuring out how can we support the lifestyle that one wants to live, and ideally be supportive of that and help them pursue their passions um, outside of just personal finances. That's awesome. That's straight fire. You know what I mean? <laughs> you got it. Right. <laughs> Sorry for any future people watching this and going, why is he being so weird? All right, so financial <laughs> planning has changed quite a bit. How has it in the past few years? It has, and I will even take a step back and say not just financial planning, but I would argue almost every industry has drastically changed over the past few years two, three years, going through a pandemic, um, technology becoming more and more accessible. And it used to be events in the world were not, um, I guess, realized or not as instantaneous as it is today. So when we talk about financial planning, what's different is the roadmap we build today needs to be flexible. Um, at the end of the day, at least in the United States, we're not sure if social security will be around. We don't really know what will happen next year, let alone five, 10 years down the road. So how financial planning has changed quite a bit compared to 10, 20 years ago is we want to build a roadmap and sort of a foundation, but at the end of the day, the monitoring, the ongoing support, having that relationship with someone who understands your goals is even more important because your goals might change along the way, but the world is ever changing. And I think if the last few years hasn't taught us that, I'm not sure what more needs to happen to want to be sure there's yeah, two hands behind the if wheel. You, if you have not waked up, the things are different. Uh, I don't know. You've been asleep. It's definitely for sure. Exactly. All right. So what are you doing to protect clients given the current volatility? Yeah, great, great question, Dan. Um, I figured I would break this up into a couple segments. So as you can imagine, risk tolerance or what is um, the amount of risk one is willing to take is a huge piece to this question. So when we talk about market volatility, um, it cracks me up a little bit. Market volatility is usually only recognized when markets go down. At the end of the day, if markets are going up, that is also volatility. It's just yeah. volatility we enjoy. <laughs> and right. so if we have clients closer to retirement, five, 10 years, what we're doing well before a market downturn or when we have those up and down is we're generating enough liquid reserves or cash equivalents so that they don't have to worry about their lifestyle for two, three years in advance. So our clients who are in retirement, I, I don't want to say we don't necessarily care about what the market's doing, but for their quality of life in retirement, at least for the next two, three years, Years, it's out of sight, out of mind. And that is the long-term approach to investing. We don't ever want to be in a position where we have to sell a position at an inopportune time or generate cash because there's an emergency or something out of left field that we didn't quite account for. Now that's a little bit more long-term picture. For our younger clients or maybe clients who have 
15, 20, 30 years more to work. The market volatility, the conversations are a little bit similar to therapy where it's let's not throw everything out the window. Let's not panic. Let's look at that long term. And so that's a little bit more of the subjective pieces um, on the more, I guess, analytical side. You can imagine that we are constantly analyzing different sectors, whether that be commodities, um, bonds are starting to become a little bit more attractive with the increase in interest rates. So when we look at market volatility, usually, usually that's a little bit of a shift as to which investment opportunities might be beneficial moving forward that perhaps haven't been attractive, at least over the past few years. Okay. So that's great. You feel like you're a counselor sometimes. All right, let's talk. It's going to be okay. Um, it is going to be okay. You know, that's the thing. Um, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see or have heard of? Maybe your clients don't make them. <laughs> My clients are perfect. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is making a decision out of fear or making a very rash decision. Um, when you hear headline news, when um, there's a horrible event that happens halfway across the world and markets react, um, it can be quite normal to feel reactionary and want to, to some extent, just get to safety or what we perceive as safety. But that's probably the biggest mistake you can make, at least in the scope of investing. You never want to have an investment strategy and then all of a sudden go 100% to cash because odds are it will be very difficult to re-enter the market or start investing again, if ever. And then you put yourself in a position where you have to assume that at some point you'll be confident enough to start having your money work for you again. So certainly during um, volatile times, or at least the negative <laughs> volatile times, um, the biggest mistake is just forgetting completely the long-term plan and just to some extent, trying to put out a fire. Whereas in the grand scheme of things, even this year, despite how quite frankly scary it's been, for most people, this will be an event in life. It won't be life changing. So it's keeping a level head and not panicking when it might be very attractive to do so. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good advice is keeping a level head and just keep your head down, right? I mean, what can you really do about these things, these outside forces? And, you know, the time value of money shows up, shows up. And I feel this way about real estate and I feel this way about money and investments and stuff like that is it seems it, it seems that we can often react emotionally. Um, and that's OK. You know, it is OK to be like, what the heck happened to all my Bitcoin? Yes. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Yeah, anyways, <laughs> all my Bitcoin. It was a big old wad of cash and I was going to be a Bitcoin millionaire. What just happened? You know, so I think it's perspective. You're going to be OK. Absolutely. You're going to be all right. You still have your health, at least most of us do. Um, I'm going to skip ahead to great financial habits. What's one thing that we could all adopt to have uh, to to have a great financial habit? I think the first thing is how can you treat yourself? And I love a story I heard listening to a podcast. So please forgive me, this is borrowed. But it doesn't matter how much money you're, you make, how much you're able to save. Even if the example given in the story is when someone was getting started, they quite literally had 10 cents, went to the grocery store and bought themselves a piece of bubble gum with a joke on it. And it made them laugh and smile. And so that is probably the first thing is rather than financial planning or thinking about your finances, and um, my mother-in-law calls it the headache, <laughs> rather than viewing it as always negative, um, I think 
the first place to start is what are some things that excite you or what are what maybe is a small activity that you would enjoy? So you start associating it with positive experiences rather than just reactionary and negative. And then to be a little bit more specific, the very first thing that you can start doing is pay yourself. So again, it, the dollar amount does not matter. It's the habit. So if it's putting $5 into a piggy bank <laughs> each month, you're just starting to build the, I guess, maybe conscious or even subconscious muscles of you can start living a life where there isn't just scarcity. And that will pay you back in dividends and tenfold to when you are at the point where you have cash flow and you have surplus and making those investments will be a lot easier because you're already in the practice of setting something aside, whether it be in the place where it might not be a ton right now. So um, first thing is have a little fun. Um, second thing is save something for yourself, even if it's $5, so that you have something for the future and you start building that habit. Yeah, I was actually looking on my phone because there it's it's called Atomic Habits. It was in my mind, I'm like, what is it? What is it? Atomic Habits. They say in order to create really good, powerful habits, you need to associate something that, that may like you need to turn it into a positive, right? Mm -hmm. So associating, um, I am doing the right thing with something that you like to do, or I'm doing, you know, you're saving, but you're celebrating it, right? Figuring out a way to couple the two so it doesn't become that negative, like, oh, I guess I got to put money in savings. Say, oh, no, I get to put money in savings and I go get to spend, you know, this over here. So couple the two together. It's a, a atomic habit uh, kind of piece. I love yeah, that. That's a great phrasing. Um, so sprinkling a little bit of fun in your financial plan. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe looking a bit big picture. For some people, this can be a big vacation. Maybe you have, um, oh gosh, the word the word's escaping me. Not wish list. Do you happen to know, Dan? What's that list? That bucket list. There we go. Completely yeah. escaped my mind. That one. Maybe you have a bucket list. And what are some experiences you would love to have? But when you think about them, you're like, oh gosh, they will never happen. Um, having, I guess, realistic goals <laughs> is important, but also having goals that you're just excited. It's something that's rewarding and sort of those atomic goals circle, circling back or atomic habits circling back to that. Anything you can have that's positive reinforcement will make it even more likely that you stick to a plan because when it's hard and when you're still building the habits, you have that event or that trip or experience to look forward to, which um, at least for most people tends to be a little bit more motivating on the smaller scale, just that example of buying um, a little piece of bubble gum with a joke. Maybe it's, I don't know, every other weekend you get to go to a local farmer's market and you have 20 bucks to spend on whatever you want. Um, I think not having limitations for some parts of your financial plan is incredibly important because a lot of it is inventory and bookkeeping. And so you want to find that balance of uh, on the carpet, though. You know, buying a piece of bubble gum is fun, but going to Cabo is much more fun. So, yeah, my scaling. suggestion in this is to give yourself a big goal. And when you okay. achieve that big goal, it should serve you financially in a yes. way that you could afford to buy that trip to Cabo, right? There you go. I've done that before. Like I, I write out my goals for my team and, and all of that stuff. And then I say, okay, and if we do this, I'm going to do that. And it's like a total stretch goal and it's a stretch reward. So I'm just making a suggestion. Bigger. Yeah, that's great. Cause and effect. And any positive association you can get will just be a win long term. <laughs> awesome. 
Well, super great conversation. I think it's really healthy to talk about like what Tucker and I talked about and then bring you in to kind of talk about how to stabilize that side of things because it really is balanced. Um, so um, how do people get a hold of you? Yes, I can be contacted via email. My personal email is samantha at maincellfg.com or you're welcome to call and text the number on the screen 425-679-6736. Thanks so much, Dan. Thank you, Samantha. It was a pleasure to have you on. Now, next up, we are going to welcome Jeanette Baton and we're gonna talk about spending some of that money. So you've reached a super awesome goal and then you get to meet up with um, Jeanette, my favorite, amazing artist when it comes to real estate. So let's see. Oh, I got to find my, oh, there it is, my uh, commercial. So we'll be right back after this short commercial break. It's about time. Do you find you never have enough time for what matters most to you? Our comprehensive It's About Time virtual productivity program teaches you the secrets of long-term, sustainable, and life-changing productivity. We provide monthly webinars, implementation challenges, resources, community, and accountability. You'll learn tips, techniques, and strategies to help you more effectively and efficiently manage your email, tasks, time, workspace, priorities, projects, and resources. You'll implement organized systems and productive habits that work. You'll finally get better results at work, experience less stress, have more time to dote on your clients, time to spend with your family and friends, take better care of yourself, pursue hobbies, and get more out of life. Do you crave more time for what matters most? Are you ready to take control? Isn't it about time? Well, to start having more time for what matters most to you, call us at 206-579-5743 or visit our website for more information at www.itssimplyplaced.com. Again, that's 206-579-5743 or visit our website, www.itssimplyplaced.com. Join today because really, it's about time. Your time. All right, welcome back to the show. Dan Edwards here with Seattle uh, Eastside Real Estate Podcast and the Eastside Real Estate team. Um, next up is our fantastic jewelry designer, um, uh, Jeanette Baton. She's got 40 years experience designing jewelry. As a personal jeweler and diamond importer, she provides designs and options that fit your lifestyle, personal taste and budget, while focusing on what's most important to you. Whether you're creating an engagement or wedding ring or redesigning your old jewelry, her joy is helping you create jewelry memories that last a lifetime. And she's available by appointment only in her Kirkland showroom. Here's a cool thing. In 2009, she was voted Woman Business Owner of the Year by Eastside Women in Business. In 2013, Nellie Cashman, Woman of Business Owner and of the Year finalist, and is a member of the Independent Jewelers of Orga, uh, Jewelers Organization. And did I mention she goes to Antwerp and buys diamonds just for you? So let's welcome to our show, Jeanette Baton with Dynamic Designs Jewelry. Hey, Jeanette, how's it going? Great. How are you, Dan? Hey, I can only see from your nose up. Can you adjust the camera so I can see your... And let's see if I can do this. Is that better? There we go. There we go. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Hey, well, welcome to the show. Um, so let's talk about what does it mean to be a personal jewel jeweler? Um, I work as a personal jeweler because I want to have one -on -one, that one-on-one -on -one time with my clients to be able to listen to them, focus on their needs, um, really find out what's most important to them and take the time to find solutions um, 
that fit in their budget, whether it's whether we custom make it, whether we order it, um, providing lots of different options, not just what we have here in stock. And so my clients enjoy creating that relationship um, to where they feel comfortable and they trust me and they can uh, talk to me and they'll know that whatever it is that they want that I can find for them. And whatever so, they want, you can find for them. I can. All right. Well, does it cost more to work with somebody like yourself? It doesn't for me. I mean, we work by appointment. We try and keep our overhead low and we work on basically we sell between 20 and 30 percent below average retail for the area. So actually you get more for your money. We work on focusing on better quality at better prices. And so we can work within any budget and provide options within that to where we can help save you money. So why do you choose to work by appointment only? I think like what I said before, um, it gives me the time where I'm not having to work between different clients. I can focus specifically on the customer's needs and what they're looking for, trying to find out what uh, occasion they have or what they're trying to achieve um, and be able to offer, take the time to really uh, focus on that and offer them lots of different options. So, um, you know, it's when it comes to the engagement ring thing, I don't know anything about it. Um, but it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. But I do know that everybody is looking for something unique. So mm -hmm. how do you go through the process when you know you know somebody wants something? This is something I think my understanding of what you do is unique to you. But how do you go about helping somebody create a unique? You know, unique working with people who are getting engaged is such it's such a fun time in their life. But most guys are kind of nervous because they've never made a purchase like this. It's something totally foreign. They usually associate it with a car or an engine or something. <laughs> but um, what I try and do is put them at ease. Usually they'll bring to me a few different ideas that maybe their girlfriend or fiance, either things they've worn or things that they like. Um, but then I can um, give them gentle, gentle suggestions of how to figure out her finger size by taking another ring that she's worn before and putting it on your finger so we can be sneaky and figure out her finger size. Um, finding out the kind of metals that they like, offering the different stone selections and helping them understand the differences. Um, and then just kind of really think about what's important, like what her lifestyle is like, what is her work? Um, and so that way we can really target and make it something that she can get, feel comfortable wearing every day for the rest of her life. So it's very exciting. That's awesome. All right, so let's pivot from the ring to the rock. So is there a difference between, I don't even know there's a such thing as lab-grown diamonds? You know, I've gotten a lot more questions about that lately. Um, lab-grown diamonds have been made for many, many years. Uh, the technology has gotten better, so now they're more jewelry grade. They used to be a really low grade, and they'd use them for, like, drills and saw blades and a lot of commercial uses. Um, but now there are, there are lab-grown diamonds that are available in jewelry grade you can use for diamonds. Um, they're the same hardness, they're the same chemical makeup, just one is found in the in the mine in mines and grown like hundred thousand years ago. <laughs> and uh, lab grown diamonds are grown in a lab. Um, I guess one of the big differences that I talk to people about is that diamonds, since I've been in the industry over 40 years, 
Diamonds every year have gone up, up, up in value. Where lab-grown diamonds have continued to continue to go down in value. I mean, they're less expensive. And so people say, ask me like 10 years from now, what will I can't say because I, all I can say is history has shown that it's worth a little bit less each year. Um, but if it's something you're, you know, I think for some people it allows them to get a bigger diamond at a lower price point and that's what's more important to them right now. And so my job is to make sure it's it's your ring your way. Um, my job is to educate you to so that you know what the options are that are available and pros and cons and let you make the decision from there. Um, <laughs> between the two? What did you say? Can you tell the difference between a lab grown and a mine? <laughs> Excuse me. We have a machine that we can test. So we, we can tell what is the difference, but no, to the naked eye, you cannot tell the difference. So visually, you can't tell, but when you nope. do some kind of chemical run on it? It's a machine that actually tests it, and it will tell us if it's a lab-grown or mine diamond. Wow, that's very interesting. Uh, do you do uh, <laughs> jewelry for insurance? Yes, we do. We do jewelry appraisals for insurance, and that's another reason why we have the machine that tests if they're lab-grown or mined, because we have to be able to make sure we know what we're appraising. Um, we also do um, uh, jewelry appraisals for estates, too. But um, jewelry appraisals are good to have updated every five years, just to make sure, because diamonds and gold prices fluctuate, it's good to have them updated to make sure that if you lose something, then your jewelry, there's enough money on there to cover replacing it. Okay, cool. So um, how do people go about the appraisal process? How do they go about it? They bring mm -hmm. their jewelry in and then we clean it and grade it. And we basically do a full written appraisal with a picture description. So from that picture and description, if it was lost or stolen, we would be able to remake it the exact ring that you lost or pendant or whatever it is. Awesome. Okay. Um, what about estates? So when you are handling uh, an estate, a lot of that's happening a lot of times now folks are downsizing and they have a bunch of jewelry. Um, can you help? Yes, we've, had, um, we've actually been doing a lot of estate evaluations lately. Um, some of the estate evaluations, you need to find out the value um, more on a fair market value level. Like say if one of the people in the family wants the grandmother's jewelry or the mom's jewelry, but the brother would prefer cash. So you need to evaluate it on a cash level basis to be able to make it fair as you're distributing jewelry for the um, to settle the estate. And then also some estates have taxes involved with them. And so it's more fair to, to be valued at a fair market value. Um, where And then some of the people come in and the jewelry's old or broken and that kind of thing. So it needs to be sized or repaired so it can be given to people. And sometimes it's not the styles that people even want. And so we can actually take that jewelry and redesign it and give it to different people in the family so that they have little pieces to remind them of grandmother or their grandmother or their grandfather or their, their mom. Or So it's kind of, it's fun to think of all the possibilities of how it can be handed down through the generations. Jeanette, you're like the Swiss army knife of personal jewelers. Um, I guess I 
I can handle all your jewelry needs. <laughs> all your jewelry needs. Like, how do you, re this one is, you know, people aren't wearing it anymore. Can you repurpose this? Exactly. So we have, like, sometimes situations change. Sometimes people get divorced. Sometimes, you know, the color jewelry you used to wear 20 years ago might not be what you want now. Or maybe a diamond fell out or something broke or it doesn't fit you anymore. So you have it just sitting in a drawer and you either lose it or it could be stolen. So sometimes people will bring that jewelry in and we repurpose it. We can take the stones and make it into a completely different design. We can change the color of the metal. We can make it more into a style that fits your lifestyle now. You're not the same person you were 20 or 30 years ago. Or like I said, if you inherited something from your mom or your grandma, that's probably isn't your style either. So we can take that and then we can come across. I have design books here. We have lots of jewelry. You can bring me ideas. And from that, kind of my superpower is to be able to look at your stones and come up with designs that will fit your lifestyle, that will fit you of what you want now. And then we, we usually do, uh, we either create a wax or we create CAD designs that show the designs exactly how they'll look with all the stones in it. So then it helps you to feel more comfortable knowing this is a design that I would be happy wearing for a long, long time. That's so good. That is so good. So um, can somebody go to your website and see what kind of work you've done? Yes, um, we have some of our custom pieces shown on our website. We have um, lots of different ideas in there and it also shows the process that we go through um, between casting and making the different jewelry. Um, plus it's just kind of fun to go and look and see some of the different things that we've done. That's awesome. So what's the best way for somebody to set up a, uh, um, an appointment with you? Um, that's easy to call or text our showroom. Um, or you can go to the website. There's a contact page on there that you can uh, send in an email to us. Um, so uh, our showroom number is... Oops, sorry uh, about that. That's okay. <laughs> our showroom number is 425-827-7722. Oh, that's my cell phone number, my personal Oops. phone number. I'll take that off. So, um, yeah, our phone number is 425-827-7722. You can text that or call it. And um, we set up appointments Monday through Friday from 9 to 6 and Saturday from 10 to 3. Or visit dynamicdesignsjewelry.com uh, to see some of our custom pieces and some of the things we have in stock. And then there's also a, an email contact page that you can send in and we can contact you back. All right. Very good. Well, thank you, Jeanette, so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, like I said, Swiss Army knife of jewelers. Anything you need, appraisals, new designs, redesigns, repurpose. Um, and I think she even serves a glass of wine if you come in your show. For my special clients, I do. <laughs> thank you, Dan. Thank you so much for having me today. This was really, really fun. And it was nice to hear about the housing market at the same time, too. Yeah, it's good. It's a win-win. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So last up, before I let you guys go, a little sneak peek at a property we just listed out in, let's see, there we go, out in uh, Sammamish. So this is in the Trossachs neighborhood, and I'm about to run out of power, so I'll try and get through this quickly if I can get that notice to go away. Um, we're asking two point. 
2,225,000, four bedroom, two and a half bath built in 1999. Single owner has built it. You can go to Eastside Estates Sammamish, eastsideestatesammamish.com, eastsideestatesammamish.com, and you can get all the beautiful pictures. Uh, we will have it open this weekend. We've got a video here, 3D tour, all of the good stuff that we do for all of our sellers. Again, I want to thank all of our guests, uh, Maxwell, Samantha. Uh, let's see if I can point you guys back here. Uh, Jeanette, I think Maxwell had to bounce. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Um, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for watching. Thanks so much, Dan.